You know what we were puzzling about last night, that it was only a year ago since we left Narnia, but everything looks as if no one had lived in Caraparavel for hundreds of years. Well, don't you see? You know that however long we seem to have lived in Narnia, when we got back through the wardrobe, it seemed to have taken no time at all. That means once you're out of Narnia, you have no idea how Narnian time is going. Why shouldn't hundreds of years have gone past in Narnia when only one year has passed for us in England? Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter by chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. I'm Chase. And thank you so much for joining us today. Just a reminder that today we are going to be talking about the fourth book in the series, Prince Caspian, but general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we're going to go on tangents into other stories and you know parts of pop culture that we enjoy. Uh, we're going to do our best to give spoiler warnings for anything along the way. Uh, but, you know, just in case, be warned right here uh, that we're just going to talk about those things. Uh, but today we're going to be discussing chapter three of Prince Caspian, the dwarf. I wonder what this chapter is about. Uh, Tyrion Lannister. Uh, maybe. Could be. That's in, actually, I'm going to keep per- that in my head. Uh, same person. Every, everything that happens in this book that involves a dwarf is Tyrion Lannister. It's going to be more fun. Same actor. So, yeah, he drinks and he knows things, you know? Yeah. That, what, what more do you need? Chase, in the, you know, just as, as Tyrion would do, can you, you just talk for us for a little bit? Give us a nice summary of this chapter. The Pevensies wake up on the hard ground with only apples to eat once again. Bummer. And Edmund says what everyone is thinking. We've simply got to get off this island. They went down to the stream that divided them from the mainland and discussed swimming. Although Edmund and Lucy were not strong swimmers, so that didn't seem like a great idea. They have a brief discussion about why they wouldn't keep their abilities from being adults in Narnia, and then establish why it actually makes a ton of sense for them it to be hundreds of years later, because time moves differently in Narnia. Then they saw a boat rounding the corner, piloted by two men with a tied-up dwarf. They were going to throw him into the river to drown when Susan rang an arrow off one of their helmets, and the men jumped out and ran away on the mainland. The kids go to get the dwarf in the boat, and the dwarf exclaims that, well, they don't seem to be ghosts, which, weird comment, but he says that he had always heard that the island was full of ghosts, and that's why the men were quick to run away, because they were more scared about ghosts than he was about drowning. Uh, the kids ask why he was being drowned, and he replies jokingly that he's a dangerous criminal, and then asks them to have some breakfast. They row around the island where no one could see them and fish for some of the rainbow-colored fish that they used to eat at Caraparavel. They take the fish up to the castle and have breakfast of fish and apples before asking the dwarf his story. He says that he is a messenger for King Caspian, leader of the Old Narnian Rebellion. He tries to explain some of the current politics, but then realizes that he's just going to have to tell them the whole story, which is what next chapter is. So tune in next week. Yeah, you know, why would I want to know, you know, about things in this chapter? I'd rather just not learn important. that I'm going to learn things. Yeah, the best thing is knowing that you could learn, not actually learning. Yeah, that's what I've always heard. Chase, so I'm sorry for our listeners, but Chase, in your book, do you have the like pictures of this dwarf? Uh, I, I 
don't know. Yes, I do. I'd have a very yeah, that's the same one picture. I have. So listen, looks like a scarecrow. Really, it but. looks like a scarecrow leprechaun. Like it's very it's terrifying. Not, when it's I picture big hearing, very pointy nose. When I when I picture a dwarf, now maybe I'm spoiled by Lord of the Rings here, but that's I picture Gimli in the lot. You know, I don't picture leprechauns. Uh, I picture like short, sure, but like you know, stocky and uh, you know they can still fight and they got a beard and whatnot. In the in the movies, this is Peter Dinklage, so or at least in in movie, this is Peter Dinklage. So yeah, which I mean, that's who I picture in general because he is Tyrion Lannister, as we've said. Um, he, there's a short person role. Just assume that it's Peter Dinklage. Yeah. It's it's kind of problematic, but also he's incredible, so we we tolerate it. You work with what you got, but uh, man, Chase, the worst part of sleeping, not outdoors, but out of doors. Yeah, out of doors. Phrasing here is that you got to wake up so early, then you wake up on the uncomfortable, rocky, hard ground. But it gets worse because. All you got for eat, to eat for breakfast is apples, which so you I had have for supper. A quarrel with this because apples are a delicious breakfast. Apples are probably the best breakfast you can have. Apples are delicious, and also like calm down. This is two meals in a row. Like yeah, suck it up. Tell I, me when you've eaten the same food for like five days in a row. Multiple times in my life, I have had tacos for every meal of the day, multiple days in a row. It's fine. You do yeah. fine. That's what you do in Austin. You eat tacos. Like, that's life. It's the uh, only But, yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is. But, so our, our kids, they wake up, uh, you know, uh, where we left them, just chilling on the island, and they eat some breakfast, and, uh, you know, they decide they've got to get off this island because Edmund, the wise, uh, says what everyone's thinking, and he's like, oh, I'm tired of this island. This Maybe this is lost, Chase. Maybe this is that. <laughs> They they think what the only thing that made the entire series lost for like 50 seasons, we've got to get off this island. Or because they're British, we've simply got to get off this island. By Jove, James, I think you're right. Uh, He says by Jove at least twice in this chapter. Peter says it. It's his catchphrase, man. Like, this is is his thing. Uh, In case you forget they're British. Yeah, man. Oh, I won't because there's there's another few words in here that will remind us uh, they're British. But uh, they decide to get off the Edmund. Or they, they decide to get off the island, and Edmund says we'll have to swim. Uh, and like then Peter, it's 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 just a weird little aside here. That's like I don't know why they'd mention this. Where it's like it'd be all right for Sue because Susan had won prizes for swimming at school, but I don't know about the rest of us. And apparently the rest of us meant Edmund, who is the one who recommended this plan. Uh, and because he can't swim two links at the school baths, which I assume is the school pool. Uh, I, I assume too. I mean. If it, he can't swim two links in a bathtub. It's not 1950s British boarding school, so it could mean anything. Uh, and also Lucy could hardly swim at all. Uh and then Chase, I ha- this is this is where like it gets real wonky when you're introducing the weirdness of time and space in Narnia, which I'll talk about more later. Uh, 
But Lucy goes, hey, well, we used to be able to swim and uh, ride horses and all those things when we were adult kings and queens in Narnia. Like, why can't we do those now? Which is a fair question that does not get answered. (laughs) No. It was actually infuriating that she addressed that question because that suggests that they should have those abilities. I mean, in general, the fact that they can remember anything from that time, the fact that Susan can still shoot an arrow perfect, seems like they should be able to do all the things that they can do other than like the fact that they're just not quite as tall. Absolutely. It doesn't make sense. He throws himself a wrench here by writing this because like they have these memories. Like you said, Susan later in this chapter is going to, you know, sniper someone with an arrow from several hundred yards into the head. Like she's, she's still got it clearly. Like, and this is not a skill you're learning at English boarding schools that I'm aware of. Uh, you're too busy no, swimming in the 1950s English boarding school. I wouldn't put it past them. No, they're too busy swimming in bathtubs, Chase. Uh, oh, fair, 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 but fair. like, so they they have some they have this knowledge. Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't have the same skill set, but just be limited by their size. So, like, obviously. Like if they were swimming now, they have shorter limbs, so they wouldn't be able to swim as fast, but they could still swim as well. Like they wouldn't be able to ride the same kind of horse because their legs aren't as long, but they could still ride a horse just as well. Like they could do all the things, but just limited to their size and strength. But it, yeah, this is just like that threw a whole wrench in here. That was like, you you didn't need to do that. I mean, hot take is Shasta can learn how to ride a horse by falling off. They should be able to learn how to swim by drowning. (laughs) That is, uh, you know, wisdom from Chase. I like it. And uh, I think we, I think you could have told the Pevensies this would have saved the whole book a lot of time. And Cal, if I was in this book, it'd be over like that. That's true. All the Pevensies would be dead because they drowned. (laughs) Or at least, you know, just Lucy and Edmund would. But, um, then Edmund, because apparently he's retained his wisdom, uh, says he's discovered the whole thing. He's realized the puzzle, that they were puzzling, because it was a puzzle to them. It was a lot. Uh, it wasn't the obvious thing. It was not the obvious thing. He goes, oh, brain blast. You know how you know we've been racking our brains about how like you know we've only been out of Narnia for a year, but everything looks like it's been you know, dilapidated and uh, everything for hundreds of years. Well, you know, we left when we came back to Narnia, it's like no time passed at all in the real world, even though we had, you know, spent dozens of years there. Uh, And so if us spending a year in the real world uh, has passed, like who knows how much time like would have taken in Narnia, basically saying like, hey, Narnian time is weird. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Because yeah. Chase, also, the next no book, rules. It makes there are no less rules. sense when you actually compare the math. Because if 30 oh, yeah. years takes 10 seconds, then it should not just be hundreds of years. It should be like thousands or millions of years. They should be the dinosaurs. Like it's it well, then you get into the next book, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, 
who the main character is Caspian at the same age, more or less. Like, it's just like, a slightly older age of like Caspian. Minutes later. And, like, that's a full another year for the students, I believe, uh, or for the, for the children. So it's like, what, what gives there? But then between Prince Caspian and the Silver Chair, guess who's still alive but is now an old man? Caspian. It, is Caspian the main character of these books? I think he appears just as much as the Pevensies do. So, Man, Shasta got the short end of the stick by only getting one. Well, he's poor, though. You know. Yeah, that's true. He's poor. Even as king. Caspian's rich. The Pevensies have a rich uncle. You know, sucks to start to go on a lot of holidays. It's fine. Should have been should have been brought up into your into your you know princedom sooner. Uh, but too bad. Uh, but you know, Edmund goes and you know talks about the space-time continuum of Narnia and how it makes no sense. Um, and uh Peter goes, by Jove, Ed, I believe you've got it. Uh, because he's British. Yeah. Uh, and then, with a pipe in his hand, yeah, his puff like you know puffs a little smoke ring out, uh, and it's, it's by Joe. Yeah. I think you've got it. Is Sherlock Holmes? Yes. Uh, but then Peter makes like this is one of two times that they're going to make historical references to things in Britain, which is just funny. Uh, and it's like it's like if we were you know if we were crusaders or anglo-saxons or ancient britons or so and like coming back to modern england uh which is true uh, i guess uh but it's just like cool yeah pick some real british 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 things uh, yeah On, only the british would be exciting if <laughs> all, all the groups that they would be excited about seeing in person are the white people <laughs> yeah Next. Next. <laughs> Thank you. Next. Uh, so, uh, after they figured out this whole uh, time shenanigans, uh, they have, uh, they're walking around and they see, what's that? A boat. Uh, and there's two people rowing it and like what looks like a twitching bundle. Um, you know, Maybe. probably is maybe a small person. Uh, and then they're, they're far enough away where they're not seen, but close enough where they can hear. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, but they they decide to throw you know this thing slash person into the water. But ah, dang it, Chase! They forgot a stone to tie to his feet. Man, don't you hate when you're going to drown someone and you forget the stone to tie their feet? How else are you going to know whether or not they're a witch, Kel? That's true. Uh, if they float, they're a witch, and if they drowned, they weren't. But now they're dead. So yeah. that's a either way the problem is solved. It's genius, genius. Love it. Uh, but they're like, hey, you know what? We may not have a stone, but we just let, we'll just make sure we tie this guy's limbs up really tight, so that way he just can't paddle. Saves us, saves us a stone. We don't have to, you know, yeah. worry about getting one of those. Man, you know how much stones cost these days. I mean, about a, hey, about a pound. I mean, depends on the stone. Uh, but so uh, Peter sees that this, this is in fact a dwarf, 
that they have, uh, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's what this chapter is about. Who knows? Uh, but he sees that it's a dwarf bound hand and foot. And uh, before they throw him into the water, thwing, they hear the bow string uh, pop from Susan's uh, bow and arrow. And then her arrow strikes one of the dudes in the helmet, Chase. Which it bounces off. She says later that she was not shooting to kill. And if that's the case, she's lost her touch because hitting someone in the head is shooting to kill, whether you're, whether the helmet works or not. You're, you're talking about like, I mean, they're, they've got to be at least a couple hundred feet, you know, for them to not be noticed. But I don't know, because they can still hear them. Otherwise, maybe these soldiers are just really bad soldiers. But if she shoots him in the helmet, like, she's going for the kill. Like, because yeah. her arrow, you like, yeah, it could bounce off, theoretically. But these are supposed to be also really good arrows. How does she know that her arrow isn't going to go straight through this helmet? And th- what this really tells me is don't mess with Susan. Because Susan, yeah, this is this is her level one. You don't want to see her level five. She may not have a lot of personality, but man, when she uses a bow and arrow, she is not to be truffled with. Uh, what is but, this? Hunger Games? Yeah. Uh, so uh, she shoots him with a bow and arrow, uh, gives him a warning shot, bounces off his head. They freak out. They drop the dwarf into the boat. They jump out. They run away into the forest uh because reasons uh and then uh peter uh and susan you know go get the dwarf because they're the swimmers uh and they haul they haul him back edmund you know like cuts all of his ropes that are tying him with his pocket knife uh and the dwarf looks up at them and goes well you don't look like ghosts yeah you know the thing that you say immediately when you see new people well you don't look like a ghost at all and like do you want to like give any kind of explanation here or like no okay well you say when you go to the grocery store and look up to the clerk checking checking you out oh well you don't look much like a ghost at all i ain't afraid of no ghosts but uh the only thing you can say for the rest of the day is every person (laughs) i ain't afraid no ghosts that's anytime a ghost is mentioned, what do you want me to say? Like, that's, that's the thing. Uh, but, you know, he, he realizes that, you know, his compatriots are not ghosts, uh, but are in fact humans, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but he goes, hey, you're not ghosts. Ghosts are not. You've saved my life and I'm extremely obliged to you. And then Lucy's like, wait, hold on. Why would we be ghosts? And he's like, well, that's what I've always been told about these woods. And we'll hear the backstory for this uh in a little bit um, yeah, we'll learn why but this is also confusing because okay spoiler alert for the next chapter we we're, we're going to be told that these wood that like the, the rumor is that these woods and everything are filled with ghosts because the king and you know the the telmarines are trying to prevent people from coming over here because they don't want them to discover the truth about narnia however this is a dwarf chase he knows the truth about narnia You'd think, and like we're assuming this is not one of the like half dwarves who's working in the castle, so he should be like part of the rebellion, like 
like well versed in the actual reality here. Yeah. But this, I mean, it does kind of show where things have gotten to like, and this is something that happens a lot throughout history. Like our actual history is the trying to erase the previous societies that were there, like trying to erase cultures through like telling new stories and banning the conversation of old stories. Like I was watching a thing yesterday about uh, Scotland and like how the British took over Scotland and they outlawed wearing kilts and playing bagpipes. And it almost killed Scottish culture because it was illegal to play bagpipes. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the two things, I guess three things that I know about Scotland, they wear bagpipes or they wear kilts, they play bagpipes and they drink scotch. I mean, don't forget about Nessie. But that's true. That one's a TBD on that one, though. It's to be confirmed uh, at this point. But uh, so, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but he goes, you know, we've always been told that there's what's filled with these ghosts. And I don't know if I ever believed it or not, uh, or if they just were going to, like, kill me and use that, like, use ghosts as an excuse. But those two cowards uh, you've sh- just shot, uh, they believed uh, and they were more frightened of, you know, taking to they were more frightened of taking me to my death than i was of going because of the ghosts and then they're like oh yeah those guys actually aren't dead we didn't kill them uh they ran away and susan's like hey it's because i wasn't shooting to kill because i just want you to know could have but i didn't i i like how susan is the kid who misses basketball shot just making excuses over here like I, I just want you to know that, like, I could have made it if I was trying, but, like, I wasn't really trying. I was actually trying to miss the shot. Like, I just I didn't. I did. I am. I, I, I went. I lifted weights yesterday, so my arms are a little sore. But, like, I also ran, and so I'm a little too loose, if that makes sense. Like, I'm too tight and too loose. It's tough. Um, it, you know, you, you wouldn't understand it because you don't play ball like me. Um, Man, you were throwing it at the wrong goal. That yeah, was a side goal over the stance. It wasn't even. It wasn't even part of the game. Yeah, exactly. I could have made it. <laughs> but so uh, the dwarf is the dwarf. Then uh, gives us a great one-liner of foreshadowing, where they're like, "He's like, hmm. Well, that's not good. That made me trouble later on, unless they hold their tongues." And then they just keep going. Uh, about, you know, going back to the, like, you know, oh, why were they going to drown you? And he says something that's real sketchy. Oh, yeah. And it took me a second to realize that he was joking, that this is sarcasm. Because what he says is, I'm a dangerous criminal. This is... <laughs> and then he just moves on. It's verbatim. Like, and... Like, why Why would you make this joke to people who don't know you, to children who don't know you? And, like, why are they okay with this joke? Like, this is like someone, like, you meeting someone and being like, oh, what do you do? Well, like, oh, I'm a serial killer. Yeah, if, if all if the evidence you have is that you this person was about to be put to death and you stopped him from being put to death, then he <laughs> says the reason he was being put to death is because he's a dangerous criminal logic says oh crap maybe we shouldn't have stopped this or oh crap 
now we're stuck with this guy. At <laughs> like, best, you're aiding and abetting a criminal. Like, it, you know, in this circumstance, maybe he is in the right. For the wrong reasons. Like, like, luckily, they are in the right here. But what if the Telmarines weren't evil? What if they were just like, you know, like they still believed in capital punishment and all, but they were just like executing a dangerous criminal? Like, what if this was all true? Yeah, it it seems short-sighted to shoot first and ask questions later, but this is the Old West. I guess we... How did we not get a Narnian Old West? We skipped that uh, that era of discovery, I guess. Or no, it's not even there yet because they don't have guns. So I guess maybe, you know, maybe I that comes after. If this is medieval times, then I guess that comes around the time of the last battle. The last battle kind of feels like the Old West. Yeah, but still no guns, unfortunately. Yeah. But if uh, guns were in Narnia, it would be a much more fun book. Yeah. But just as the children do, we're going to move past the fact that the dwarf jokes about being a, drink, a dangerous criminal. And then he asked for breakfast, and they said, we've got apples. And he goes, it's better than nothing, but I'd rather have fresh fish. And so I'll treat you to breakfast. So they go fishing for the next several pages, uh, trying to catch a fish. And they do. And then they're like, oh, man, uh, you know, we, you know we, don't have a, we don't have a, like, a bucket. Or like you know a pail to put these fish in so we'll just put it in Edmund's hat uh and that's you know for several pages this is their storyline they talk about going up to the castle to start a fire uh, and you know dwarf the dwarf who we still don't know his name and we won't for a while no we says, do not learn it <laughs> beards and bedsteads okay uh so there really is a ca- castle after all and they're like eh, well it's a ruin uh who are and then, it, then it's like he's trying to like put two and two together, two and two being like two guys, two girls, like who happen to be, you know, children uh, who resemble, you know, the, the old kings and queens of Narnia could be anyone. Uh, but uh, he just ignores it. They put all the fish in Edmund's hat. Uh, they cook them over a fire and then they start eating them with their hands. They get their hands burned. Uh, you know, things that we really need to know, uh, especially in a chapter where like, hey. Cal, it's important for the reader to learn that if you try to eat fish off of a fire with your hands, you might burn your fingertips. Well, what am I supposed to do? Eat the fish out of the water chase with my hands? This is ridiculous. Now they're all going to be all slippery. <laughs> Make up your mind I, here. I, I, like, what do you learn not to do? cook apples because of the same reason. They're gross. Now we've got to learn. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got to learn it again with fish. Just get a stick or something, guys. Like, come on. Like, what were you cooking the fish on? Also, like, you're in the ruins of this castle yeah. where no one has been for hundreds of years. You found the rest of your stuff. You're telling me there's not golden plates and silverware down there? You can find chess pieces, but not a fork and a knife. Like, come on now. Look a little harder. At least just use a, use a trident or something. You know, I, I don't know, uh, but we digress. And so now, finally, after finishing breakfast, the dwarf goes now because, you know, he, want, he wants their story. And they're like, hold on. 
we saved you. You tell us your story. And he goes, that's fair. And he goes, I'm a messenger of King Caspian's. Chase, who? What? When, where, why? What's this, what's this book called? Uh, Prince Caspian? Prince Caspian. Prince Caspian. Right, 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 right. Who does the dwarf refer to? King Caspian. I see no problem here. These are clearly different people because of all the context that we have. This makes me concerned that he's not going to be referred to as Prince Caspian. And he's only going to be referred to as King Caspian. Well, to be fair, Cal, he's referred to as Prince Caspian literally like two pages after this. Like in the next chapter. By his uncle, who is a usurper. We don't know that yet. How could we know that? But we do know this. We know how could we know that if all we know is that Caspian the first was the conquering king and now the current king's name is not Caspian, but this kid's so, name is Caspian, but that's not important. But if he's being referred to as King Caspian, why are we not titling this book King Caspian? That's, or too, just, many, that's too many case sounds, Cal. It'd be too funny. Caspian. Like Prince Caspian is a great title of a book. If he's fighting for his princedom, but he's fighting for his kingdom, Chase. Maybe he wants to establish a new princedom. For who? He's not married. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's like uh oh gosh, what's the the princess diaries where he only gets to stay king if he gets married. This is princess diaries too. I'm sorry. But, but Susan's about to leave. He she needs to find Anne Hathaway fast. We better. Where's Genovia in this mythical world? Uh, I, I think that's Archenland. I think I think Archenland is pretty It's clear. just as relevant as Archenland is uh, to the story as a whole. So we Also, where did Archenland go in this story? Chase, they are, like I said, just as important as Genovia. They don't matter. It's not important, but you know who does matter? The Telmarines, apparently. Who are they? Don't worry about it. Hey, Look them up on a map. The yellow Telmarine, you know? <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, he says, I'm a messenger of King Caspian. Caspian the 10th, king of Narnia, and long may he reign. That is to say, he ought to be king of Narnia, and we hope he will be. At present, he is only king of us old Narnians. Which... Means he's not king. It means he's not king. Uh, and the dwarf was like, he's like, what do you mean by like Lucy's like, what do you mean by old Narnians? He's like, well, I guess we're kind of a rebellion, I suppose. So now you are aiding and abetting a, a you know outspoken rebel, and you don't know the the sides of all of this. Yeah, uh, like, you're aiding and abetting a rebellion against the Narnian crown, which, as far as you are aware, is your crown. Right, but they also never had children. So, how did the Narnian crown pass? It didn't, probably. They were just conquered. Where did these humans come from? Who could say? That's a great question. Telmar. Where's Telmar? Don't worry about it. A random cave on story. an island somewhere? It's not your story, Chase. It's not Don't ask story. about it. And so, uh, and so, Peter's like, ah, so Caspian must be 
a chief of the old Narnians. And the dwarf was like, ah, kind of. He's, he's actually new Narnia. He's a Telmarine. He's one of the bad guys. But he's like, he's one of us. And he's like, does, it, does that make sense? And then Edmund's like, no. Hey, you know how all rebellions pick someone from the bad side to become their king? Yeah. Because, I mean, God forbid the Narnians just picked a Narnian to, yeah. like, you know, be their, their ruler. Hey, this is not a democracy, Gil. You're C.S. right. Lewis would never. You're right. It's not a democracy. It is the country of Aslan. Where's Aslan? Where is Aslan, Chase? This makes no Where sense. Where was Aslan? Aslan directed a, like, countries, plural, wide, like, like decades-long ploy to keep a dude from attacking Narnia once. That was the horse's boy. Listen to our previous podcast. But he's yeah. not going to stop this entire civilization from just wandering in and taking over by killing all of his people and like usurping the entire country. He's just going to let that happen. There's not even like deep magic to like prevent against by planting a magic tree, like nothing. And, and, and these are all normal humans. It's not like you'd have to work that hard with magic. Like you can stop them fairly easily. Uh, But there was, there were more rules. There's no rules here. He could just show up and show out. Aslan is not a tame lion. He can do whatever he wants. But he's just chilling at say, the beach on the other side of the ocean uh, over a giant wave. <laughs> but <laughs> surfing. He's gone surfing for about a thousand years. Yeah. Don't ask about it. It's not your story. It's not my but story. It, it's if this was an all confusing to you, listener. It is to the students, the Pevensies. And Lucy says, it's worse than the Wars of the Roses. Now, if you're unfamiliar with British history. I am. I'm unfamiliar. Please tell me. Basically, the Wars of the Roses were just like, it was like a bunch of like many civil wars fought throughout Britain. Like in the, you know, 1400s and like around that time, uh, where it was just rival families and like, like fighting against each other for power that eventually led to the Tudors getting the crown, T-U-D-O-R. That's like Elizabeth the first, like eventually she would come from that line. Um, And so it's basically just a bunch of civil wars and it's one of the main inspirations for Game of Thrones, actually. But, you know, to give you a little bit of history lessons, all this is, it's really complicated a lot of people fighting, uh, powers going back and forth between a lot of people for like, you know, 30, 40 years or whatever. Uh, and it just happens, you know. And so Lucy knows about this, but doesn't know how to swim. So, you know, congrats, Lucy. Uh, that British education really kicking in, even though she's the one who hasn't been to school yet. Yeah. And she also, man, you're right. She hasn't been to school yet. Why He's literally the only one who shouldn't know this. Hey, hold on. Why, why does she know about this? I didn't even put that together. Because she hasn't had a line yet. She hasn't got to talk. Edmund got to talk. Peter got to talk. Now she gets to talk. It doesn't matter what she says. I guess so. And then, you know, the dwarf's like, okay, well, I'm explaining this all really poorly. So I might as well just tell you Caspian's whole story, uh, but it's a long one. And Lucy's like, oh, good. 
I, we love stories. Tell us all. And uh, then C.S. Lewis, before the chapter ends, interjects and goes, I'm not going to tell it the way that he told it. And like, not going to give you a verbatim thing of this, uh, of this interaction, because, you know, there's a lot of interruptions because there's children and they're annoying and they're the worst. Uh, and, you know, that would take a really long time to tell their story. So instead, I'm just going to tell you, you know, a, a, an abbreviated version that will still take several chapters. Uh, and it's like, does the dwarf know all this? Or does C.S. Lewis just be like, I'm going to tell you the things you actually need to know? Uh, C.S. Lewis is just trying to say, this is my fun way of flashing back because I've got to start in the middle of the story, then go back, then catch up, then progress the story, which is a very Correct. normal way of storytelling, but he's got to be cheeky about it because he's C.S. Lewis. That'll do it, yeah. But once, uh, you know, right before the dwarf tells the story, the chapter ends. So if you want to hear this story, make sure you tune in next week. Or at least part of this story. I mean... But Chase, do you have anything else before we head further up and further in? <sighs> I mean, I wish I had something else, Cal, but alas, I do not. The chapter ends just kind of like a lot of his most recent chapters do, by just ending he he has not figured out the cliffhanger at all <laughs> not even a little bit to uh you know to, to to borrow a phrase from many a preacher land the plane land the plane c.s lewis uh figure out how to end it you just can't yeah. but as we head further up and further in uh chase would you like to start us off uh sure i <clears throat> I'll I'll go ahead and start us off. Uh, for my further up and further in, I just want to talk about uh, this idea of the fear of the unknown in a uh, in really any culture, but especially in stories like this where you have the powerful against the weak, and you see the powerful creating stories and uh, cultural narratives and and boundaries to try to cover up and work against the things that they know nothing about. So, for example, you heard in this story that the island where the Pevensies are, where Care Paravel is, is considered haunted. Uh, the, uh, the dwarf says that the guys who were going to kill him were more afraid of the uh, ghosts on the island then he was afraid of drowning like that's that's pretty afraid if you're more afraid of ghosts than death you've got other questions to ask yourself but you know that's a that's a conversation for another time but they have been fed this lie over the years that this is a haunted place that this is a dangerous place that that you shouldn't go near and really it's the way of the oppressor in this in this case the telmarines trying to cover up and and put down the things that they don't understand the things that they don't want to remember and that really is the tale of a lot of cultures and a lot of stories of man if we're if we ignore it it'll go away if we hide it it'll go away if we pretend it doesn't happen or we tell a different story it won't will no longer be a threat to us and the problem with that is it usually doesn't work, which is why we have our story now and why it always ends badly when oppressors keep on oppressing. Oppressors are going to oppress. Uh, but 
my further up and further in is uh, the uniqueness of time and space in Narnia. Now, we've dunked on this uh, concept already, and we've had four books to do so because, honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's not a lot of rules for why this works, but once you get past the fact that you know the rules are, are wonky, uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, Doctor Who, it's a little timey wimey. Just don't don't uh, don't question it. Um, things get a little weird, and you just got to go with it. But in most fantasy and fiction literature, you're going to remain in one world, in one timeline. You don't deviate. Uh, so a return to the action for the heroes means just going like going to another place and returning, but you're in the same timeline. Things can't change too drastically. Maybe someone takes over in your absence. Maybe someone dies while you're gone. But things can't change too much. You're still going to know the same people, see the same people. You're going to have the same skill sets, things like that. But in Narnia, because it is a different world and a different timeline with a different time structure, don't ask about how it works. Only ask, only Aslan knows, and that's not your story. Uh, but uh, the re- because it is a different time structure, the return to Darnia, the return to this time and place allows the characters to come back to a new world and that they have to rediscover and relearn uh, so that they can kind of go through. And it's a great way to write children's stories where, oh man, I've, you know, it's been a while since your last book. Uh, maybe I need to like rediscover this for myself a little bit. And it allows you to kind of learn all these things over again. But Chase, oh. let me tell you a story. Now, as I'm telling you this story, I want you to know it's going to be a really good one. It's going to be a long one. It may take, I don't know, the next 12 chapters, uh, maybe 12 more weeks. Oh, um, <clears throat> I think I've got something that day. Okay, well, as I tell this story, can in the meantime, do you mind telling our listeners where they can you know find more of our stories? Well, I do mind, but I guess I can take you to breakfast instead. Um, if you want to find our podcast, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, while you're there, you could leave us a lovely rating review five stars please it helps other people to find us and if you don't want to give five stars and don't leave a review uh you could also find us on instagram at chronicles of podcast where you can see when we post new episodes and also engage with us there uh, we love to hear from you any questions comments ideas that you may have uh but yeah thank you for joining us today and you can join us again next week when we hear the beginning of this very long story. Bye, Joe. I think you've done it. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to be slightly less tired sounding on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a... I feel like that's our life right now, Chase, is just how do we make it sound like we're legit? When in reality, we just might not be. I mean, that's that's been the challenge of the last forever. That's been that's always been the challenge. That's life. <laughs> that's that's what it means to be an adult working that's in the world. Considering like uh, you guys kind of figured out when in reality, nah, nah.